everybody, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, we have Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I feel great. It's like the first day of school, although it's not really the first day of school. This is kind of like... It's like orientation. Pe- yeah, exactly. I'll see you next week. But like, hey, 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 it's good to see you again. Hi, hi, bye. Yes. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? I mean, I am overpowered by the amount of news that, that has happened uh, since we last recorded. this, the, the sleepy season is not what it used to be. Yeah, uh, amen to that. Also, uh, I, I should point out that, you know, we did have patri- patron episodes going up in December and January, so we haven't been totally dark for those of you who subscribe to uh, our Patreon. But uh, it is nice this- to talk to you and not have to talk about... Um, the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I really had a lot of fun recording that episode. That was a good movie. I'd never seen it before. It was awesome. Yes. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, it's not only Fast and the Furious talk. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a Formula One podcast. And if you are new to Formula One, in exactly one month's time, on Wednesday, February 22nd, we shall have an episode just for you newbies. Uh, our annual preseason primer episode assumes no prior F1 knowledge. It explains how the sport works and who everybody is. That episode will be number 216. Wow. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts, sometimes videos exclusively for our patrons <laughs> that, cover, that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, which we've already scheduled on mm, the yeah. calendar, uh, in, on our internal calendar over here. Uh, so get ready for that. Uh, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What is going on over in Patreon land, Danny? Patreon land, uh, like I said, the aforementioned uh, The Fast and Furious episode. Uh, you guys did one in December. I was sick for. Uh, what What did you guys do again? Uh, that was... Um Dust to Glory about Dust. the Baja 1000. There you go. Dust to Glory. Um, Documentary by the guy who did Step into Liquid. It's right. extremely early 2000s. A lot of great Oakley sunglasses. Love it. 4-3. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fourth bait. Love it. Scan lines, almost. Yeah, Maybe it looks like bit. it was ripped from a VHS. <laughs> Terrific. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing a rework, as we always do, at the start of a new uh, F1 season. So we got some big ideas for the Patreon. Uh, the, the promise of nothing at the moment. But yes, as Drew said uh, last year, not much video stuff went up last year. So trying to solve that and come up with some interesting uh, video stuff over on the Patreon. Uh, but also, thank you to our incredible title sponsors. Oh, it's been a while since I've done this. We got a couple of new names in here as Ooh, well. yeah. Mark Phaedrus. At Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, At Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, IronStation.dev, TelemetryDeck.com, David Mule, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foote, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, Enzon and Ayrton, uh, hashtag where do I put income for crimes on my 1099, Sniggs, <laughs> Alex Goucher, Max Voltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, William Romf, Irvine Clinical Research, Lachlan the Madden Man, and Jason Kelly. These are our amazing title sponsors uh, who are on the top tier on Patreon. I met a, I met some of these people at um, the 24 Hour of Lemons. I don't think. Oh, that's talk- right. I haven't heard about that yet. We had a meetup. We had a Shift F1 patron meetup at Sonoma Raceway. Um, I subsequently realized that I had uh, just contracted COVID, so I then had to let them all know that I had <laughs> oh, no. contracted. Thankfully, it was outdoors. It was raining quite badly. Um, I don't think I was actually. Um, 
you know, what's the word? I was about to say digestible, but that's not the word. Contagious? <laughs> uh, contagious? Contagious, thank you. English is my second language. Irish guy. Um, uh, but uh, thankfully, uh, they were all fine. But I did meet uh, a lot of folks, including Circuit Demon, who was there, um, who came all the way from the East Coast wow. uh, to come to it. We had a lot of fun. 24 hour lemons, a lot of red flags. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Especially when it's raining in, uh, in Sonoma. So, um, oh, wow. The, the 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 main thing that came away from that was that everyone thinks that we should enter a car in Lemons next year. Um, there are a lot of people, apparently, who turn up to the 24 Hour of Lemons, which, if people don't know, is a pastiche on a 24 Hour of Le Mans, but the cars have to be, like, absolute Lemons, like, I think... I think under- you have to have purchased them for under $500. Yes, I think that's correct. You, but the, people modify these cars in ways that are quite frankly quite dangerous some of them had surfboards on them with people riding them like fake people there was a cowboy uh on a, on a horse on top of one of them great very funny very good everyone who does it's a legend uh but yeah there's some people who apparently turn up they they want to do the race but they can't afford to like you know they need two more paid drivers as it were to fill the other hours so that's that was the that was what they said so we'll have to see enter lemons this year Watch this space, patron stretch goal. <laughs> My God. Uh, well, thank you, Danny. Uh, and now let us jump with both feet directly oh into this gigantic news cauldron. <laughs> um, we've got some uh, some personnel changes. We sort of ended the season with uh, the big one, Mattia Bonato, team principal of Ferrari, out. Uh no longer, but we didn't know who was filling his shoes and what havoc that would wreak on the rest of the field. Rob, what can you tell us? Yeah, so Frederick Vasseur uh, from Sauber, uh, a.k.a. Alfa Romeo, got tapped to lead Ferrari following Bonato's departure. And it also seems... So there's a couple ways to read this. Like Vasseur is an old hand. He uh, mm-hmm. has, has run a number of teams. Uh, he has had a very successful stint at Sauber Alfa Romeo. Uh, he also goes back a ways with uh, Charles Leclerc. And so there is also an element of this is a team principle that uh, like Charles trusts uh, and that... You know, we all remember, like, he had a tre- tremendous run at Alfa Romeo. Right. That made his ascendance to Ferrari, like, all but assured. And it was evident uh, that especially Charles, but I think even even Carlos had really lost a lot of trust in the Ferrari pit wall uh, for, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've talked before about the long-term commitment that Ferrari's basically made to Leclerc. And this feels like... Uh, continuing to double down on that. Uh, but that also means that uh, Vasseur's departure is going to open up a spot at, or or has opened up a spot at Sauber, uh, which was filled uh, pretty quickly by Andreas Seidel uh, from McLaren. And, uh, you know, he was originally, so like the moment, let me back up. So we all remember that Audi was coming into the sport and was buying Sauber and effectively taking it over as a works team. Seidel right. uh, like had a deal to lead that effort to begin with. And then with Vasseur departing uh, somewhat unexpectedly, this 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 vacancy wasn't expected this year. Uh, McLaren basically gave the green light for Seidel to just start now 
and begin working on the transition, which is, you know, a couple of people have pointed out this is a bit of a break from precedence. It was only a couple of years ago that you started, you, you would see teams uh, enforce what's called gardening leave a lot more strictly where, <laughs> uh, you know, you would have executives and uh, like, like technical directors from teams who were departing serve out the remainder of their contract, but be sort of hermetically sealed off from <laughs> any sort of like ongoing team operations, but also unable to start work at the new gig. Uh, yeah, you don't work here anymore, but you can't work anywhere else either. Yeah. And, you know, in a sport where time is time is money, time is performance, it was sort of an easy way to also, uh, well, if you, you know, if you poach one of our guys, we can we can at least make it a little bit a little bit of a pain in the ass for you. That dynamic has sort of fallen away in in F1, uh, like even teams that like were as bitterly opposed to each other as Mercedes and Red Bull when Red Bull was like spinning up Red Bull powertrains. I think Mercedes let the few of their technical staff go without mm. really any hassle. And so it like it does seem like there's been a bit of a sea change. But the the split between uh, Seidel and McLaren has seemed uh, has seemed very, very amicable. And it was like one of those things where McLaren's wishing him wishing him all the best, uh, et cetera, which then, of course, means that McLaren <laughs> needed uh, needed to promote someone into uh, uh, Seidel's Seidel, uh, role. <laughs> and so they promoted uh, Andrea Stella uh, from from within their their operation. Um, God, I can't remember. What is what is Andrea's site? What was uh, Stella's uh, gig? Uh, I don't remember, but it's not like we'll ever hear from him because Zach Brown is such a dominating presence. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But he's also so busy. He's He's got to be running the multifaceted McLaren operation uh, world, worldwide. He's got to be promising drives to half the young drivers around the world. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but uh, Seidel is not the team principal, right? He is the CEO of the race team much like zach brown is the ceo mm, of mclaren mm. sauber yeah. slash alfa romeo slash the future audi does not yet have a team principal named sometimes i've been assuming um, he was going he was going to be running that part of it but you're right uh he is he is going over there as ceo um yeah andrea yeah. stella was executive director at mclaren man whatever fucking, that means fucking job titles and every yeah. every yeah pit wall is like different as well and yeah they, they don't they don't have matching hierarchies yeah it's no. not like football where it's like these offensive coordinator defensive coordinator no yeah i'm a producer <laughs> right you know yeah uh well that we're not done here because uh there's been a swap over at williams as well uh yost capito left williams alongside technical director fx de Masson. Demason, I've never known Demason, Demason of the house, I think it is. Isn't uh, it just? It's a great this podcast. If this is your first F one podcast, welcome to the world of European names because it's just oh, like yeah. complete. It's, it's a yeah, yeah, it's a clusterfuck. Love it. Um, but he, those two are out, and in is former Mercedes Motorsport strategy director James Vals. He's back. Uh, Valtteri, it's James. <laughs> I'm leaving for Williams. <laughs> 
Uh, it's that guy. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, and apparently they're not really filling his position at Mercedes because they, to hear Total Wolf, team principal of Mercedes, tell it, uh, oh yeah, we've known that he might be leaving for some time. And so we've basically spread out his role among like, you know, nine other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're now flying the airplane ourselves. He's, I think he's there for a said. long time. I mean, it does feel like, like Mercedes is in this, uh, it is time to start thinking about succession plans type. Yeah stage Wolf's and been so, there like 10 years or something right like i think to me that's kind of one of the things like in the background here where you know there there were stories about and i think you flagged one of these uh drew that vols vols came in and is like i'm not going to turn williams into a uh mini mercedes a, yeah a, mi- a mini mercedes <laughs> exactly and you know certainly uh, you know an admirable goal but at the same time, I also wouldn't be surprised if Mercedes is thinking in a few years, maybe Vols comes back in once Wolf hangs it up. Uh, you know, who who knows how these things are structured. But yeah, like uh, Mercedes also has like a lot of leading staff that they, they've probably been thinking for a while about how to handle the fact that some of them will be wanting to hang it up soon. That's a really good point because they Mercedes and Williams have been always super tight with personnel. So I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if like that is oh that's how yeah. they knew he was going to leave because and it's I, all part of the plan. And outside of like we outside of you know moving to another team, one of the sort of lingering uh, undertones last year when they were talking to drivers and especially when we we're talking to people you know engineers and stuff was just how much more difficult these seasons are becoming for people with the, right. the amount of race weekends there are so if there's just like sort of a faster attrition that happens as well you know where people are leaving just because it's hard like well, who was it uh, who left last year I think it was it uh, when Vettel like Vettel I'm I, that has to be part of it like when he was talking about leaving and spending time with his family you know, it's it's a very easy one to one to make there, and I bet that's the case not just with drivers and engineers, but like everyone associated with those teams. You know, maybe there's a position that's easier to move into that doesn't require you to be at every race. You know what I mean? You can mm-hmm. you can sort of sit in the back and be well, in Silverstone. You know what I mean? Wolf skipped Brazil. Uh, yeah, totally. You know, and right? I would not be surprised if some of these staff are looking to maybe I don't do all the flyaway races. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it would not surprise me if what made sense where you would have a kind of single point of failure systems uh, set up for these teams suddenly with as many races, uh, you are starting to think about how can we distribute the load. Uh, now, whether that extends down to pit crews, as we alluded to before, you know, mm. remains to be seen. Well, uh, from team principals to drivers, we're not done with news about those. Danny, what do yeah. you have next? Updates on, uh, well, Mick Schumacher, obviously, I guess this did happen after our last podcast, which seems crazy because it seems like it happened a long time ago now. But Mick um, obviously was the sort of uh, last man standing in the game of musical chairs last year when it came to race seats, unfortunately. Um, Not incredibly, you know, surprising perhaps, but obviously very disappointing. Seemed like Haas sort of... Uh, we're done with that project. Ferrari as well have sort of uh, not, you know, he was a young driver with them and not necessarily wanting to take him up as well with uh, who they have. Um, but it seems like Mercedes kind of swooped in. Um, and uh, to me, this feels a little bit personal. Like this feels like Toto 
you know, he definitely has an affinity for talented young drivers. Uh, he's obviously a, a, you know, elders to his father is, you know, arguably one of the best, if not the best driver um, uh, of his day, for sure. And one of the best ever. Um, he's German as well. And a Mercedes um, driver. And a, yeah, and a Mercedes driver. And he was brought in, um, Mick, sorry, was brought in uh, as a reserve driver for uh, Mercedes this year. Um, the quote from Mick, obviously this stuff is very you know, washed through several layers of marketing and PR before it reaches our ears. Um, we're sort of pointing towards his feelings on it. He said, F1 is such a fascinating world and you never stop learning. So I'm looking forward to absorbing more knowledge and putting in all my efforts to the benefit of the Mercedes team. Uh, Toto also a quote here from him saying, he is a hard worker, has a calm and methodical approach and is still hungry to learn and improve as a driver. Uh, we all want uh, sorry, these are all important qualities and we're excited for him to help us develop the W14. Uh, Wolf went on to sort of basically say that like if a seat opened up somewhere, they'd let him, you know, he'd be, he, he could go, that we are, we, you know, we hope that he's able to basically stay in F1 and, and this is part of, you know, he's one of the most experienced drivers when it comes to the new cars and all these new rookies are coming in. Um, Obviously, they also sort of uh, did this with Nick DeFries as well a little bit. So I, I feel like, to me, it feels like probably a good fit. He's obviously a very talented, like you said, methodical, diligent dude. Um, but I, you know, it's hard to talk about Mick Schumacher without emotions coming into play because there's so fa- so much fondness for what his family has given F1. So I think that is playing its part in it. Um, and just give a little bit of an update on all our reserve and development drivers. Uh, if you're new to F1, reserve drivers are basically um, the lads in the back in case someone sprains an ankle um, who can come or in. the COVID. Or gets to COVID, as in recent years, has definitely been more of an issue. And then the development uh, slash junior drivers are kind of um, doing some of the off-track work that those reserve drivers also do, like sim racing and all that sort of stuff. Um, but they also tend to be on the younger side. And there are some sort of prerequisites within F1 as well for teams to support some of these guys. So they tend to be um, the younger ones. Uh, so most of the slots are filled up for the year. Um, uh, some... I guess some of them won't necessarily have reserve drivers as well. Like, I don't think... Yeah, because they had... share. Oh, right. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so, for Red Bull, we have... my fav- This is my favorite part of the whole thing. Red Bull have Daniel Ricciardo, who is not a reserve driver. He is a third driver, according to them. <laughs> so, it's a good delineation. Um, I'm not sure if they have a third car, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Liam Lawson is there as their reserve driver. Uh, Ferrari have Antonio Giovinazzi this year, um, who was kind of almost, you know, had an eye on a seat last year. He was in the conversation, uh, but at least he'll be around somewhat. Uh, Robert Schwartzman, sorry, is their uh, junior driver. Mercedes has Mick, as I just said, and Frederick Vesti is their junior driver. Uh, Alpine have uh, Jack Doohan as junior driver. Uh, McLaren has Alex Palou sitting in reserve. Uh, Alfa Romeo has Indy Teo. Car driver. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good point. Um, yeah, most of these are, are folks from F2, a lot of uh, famous uh, names, and then a couple of, uh, elder states people too like uh, Theo Porcher obviously did well last year he's with Alfa Romeo Aston Martin has Stoffel Van Dorn uh, who's bounced around all over the place he's <laughs> unstoppable as we all know um, as the reserve driver and then Filippo Djokovic uh, as their development slash junior driver and Pietro Fittipaldi back in uh, reserve at Haas 
Um, also, that guy does a lot of television stuff, so I feel like I've seen a lot of him over the years. Um, he's just kind of around all the time. Yeah, he's, it's the same as Ricardo and Mick, I guess. They just look, if you're not in the game, stick around. You got to make sure you're networking. You, know? <laughs> yeah. you never know. Someone retires, someone hurts themselves, gets COVID. It happens. Um, so, yeah, mostly known names, I would say, there. Um, and we'll have to see. It's a long season this year as well, you know, 23 races. Um was meant to be 24, but we'll get to that in a minute. Well, there's one way seats can open up, and that's by adding another team, Rob. So Michael Andretti Mm. is bound and determined to get himself an F1 team. He he did not win the Sauber sweepstakes. Uh, Did not even come close. But he's back with a new plan. Uh, he announced intentions to uh, to start up a new Formula One operation. And this was a big twist this time. He's bringing Cadillac. Uh, <laughs> Cadillac would be uh, his, his partner for, for the entry. And it was sort of presented as like, we're going to have an American manufacturer and mm. uh, American motorsports royalty, like teaming up and entering the sport together, which when I heard that, I was like, hell yes, this sounds really cool. And, you know, Cadillac in sports car racing uh, has has become a bigger and bigger name uh, in recent years. Cadillac as a manufacturer has put in uh, a lot more emphasis on like performance cars, uh, as has GM, uh, really. So you would think, again, that a lot of people would be excited about this idea. You know, American market, American manufacturer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, The response from Formula One (laughs) could politely be described as go fuck yourself. (laughs) Uh, It is one of the most prickly responses, uh, like, I can imagine even by F1 standards, especially when you think about the fact that the red carpet was rolled out for the oh, Porsche yeah. Red Bull wedding that yeah. everyone assumed was going to be announced at the, <laughs> in the Netherlands last year. Uh, and of course, like everyone is over the moon about uh, like Audi coming in and uh, sort of starting it, like turning it into sort of a proper uh, works team. F1's response has been considerably more hostile. And so uh, Drew, you pointed out a a good piece that uh, Autosport published on this uh, by Luke Smith, very much presenting the perspective of the current teams. And I will say, like, having been been reading a lot of Autosport during the offseason, I will say I've started to, like, tune into the fact that Autosport, I, I think, does tow the party line from F1 teams and basically the people who are their sources a little bit more and uh but it like it was a really good rundown of what their exact issues are and it's kind of uh fallen out there's there's kind of two perspectives on this uh so andretti and crucially uh fia chairman uh ben slam this is wild <laughs> basically both said it's because the teams are greedy it's just that they're just money growing <laughs> bastards. They're incumbents and like they do not want competition and they don't want to let they don't want to open the door uh, to another team that could potentially dilute the value of their existing of their existing stakes. Remember, we've talked about this many times. F1 has an anti-dilution fee uh, built in. Right. And 
for a while, it's like, big. It's like two hundred million dollars or something. And really? this, and you put your finger on the big crux of the issue. It seemed big last time we talked about this. We were uh, like, this is an eye-watering sum. Like, who the hell is going to come in to be the eleventh F one team if you have to pay two hundred million dollars, ten million dollars a piece in dilution like cost for devaluing the the value of other teams? You have to pay each of them ten million dollars a piece, basically, before you even piece? like. Start that's it's, it'll be divided among the teams, okay. 10 teams, though, right? Yeah, Te- 200 divided Tw- by 10 is 20. Look, it's 11 at night here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fair point, but it's 10. I like if you're giving it to the drivers, it's 10. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice. Uh, anyway, so we always said like this was a ridiculous amount of money. You, you've spent 200 million dollars before you even like opened a garage. The problem is. Between when that sum of money was agreed upon <laughs> and now F1 has exploded in popularity. Gunter mm. Steiner, man, it's all his fault. His 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 japes on drive to survive. They just pumped <laughs> up the price. <laughs> and so but so this is one of the real uh, concerns with the teams, which is that now the anti-dilution fee does not actually cover what is being diluted. That, you know, when you think about what these teams could probably fetch now. Uh, you know, for to be purchased like lock, stock, and barrel versus you know five, ten years ago, it's a very different world, and the two hundred million dollar fee probably doesn't cover it. Uh, now by and large, that's still basically in line with what Andretti's position is, which is that you know they're incumbents who are sort of protecting they're they're protecting the value of their like squatters' rights on on F one. Uh. The other teams, though, uh, who've like spoken to Autosport, apparently a couple things have gone on. One of these is sort of semi-publicly known, and some of this is like paddock gossip. Uh, the part that is maybe a little more like official or more a little more concrete is that it's not really clear that Cadillac would be entering the sport as mm. a manufacturer. Uh, for one thing. It seems like there's been discussions that Cadillac Cadillac might buy engines from Renault uh, to and then mm. badge them as part of the Cadillac <laughs> uh, like team. And remember, we've talked about this before. There is deep concern in F1 right now whether or not their existing like slate of engine manufacturers can effectively service the mm. grid. Uh, F1 engines are, as we see, week in week out enormously complicated, delicate pieces of equipment, massively expensive. It is not like you can just print more off the assembly line. That's not that's not really how they are constructed. And you know, if you look across uh, you know, at IndyCar, they just had an entire like they were going to roll out I think hybrid engines that fell apart because the existing manufacturers like basically said we cannot develop new engines and like support the grid uh with with its current slate we it just it just can't be done engine manufacturers don't make a ton of money uh for for supplying a grid and so you can imagine like the idea that an 11th team would show up and start also trying to buy from this limited pool of of engine supply uh we go over like a lead balloon but furthermore mm. the the bigger concern is would this just be yet another team effectively like kind of doing it like Haas where it is, you know, maybe it's got a, a, 
it's got a more prestigious logo, uh, you know, the more prestigious badge, uh, you know, over the over the engine, but effectively is buying uh, large amounts of equipment from other manufacturers like like Renault, uh, like like Dallara. Apparently, Cadillac has done stuff like this with some of their entries in other sports. So, um, like, I think they're, I, I think what the Cadillacs they're running at the Daytona 24 this week might actually be sort of similarly Cadillac is involved to some degree, but in many ways, like under the hood, it is, it is a different racing program that, uh, that's, that's applied all this. So there is uh, sort of a view in F1 that Audi's come in and they are by all accounts, like going to go whole hog. They are going to. Uh, unleash the full power of their manufacturing empire on F1 Cadillac. It does not sound like they're bringing all of Detroit with them. Uh, and so that is, <laughs> that is one concern. The other thing this part, I just love is that it really sounds like there's a lot of American carnival Barker, like PT Barnum esque stuff that Andretti has done to get people on board. Like a lot of apparently showing up uh, at races in the States uh, going around to, to, you know, various principles within the team and being like, what do you think of this? We signed my letter of, we signed this letter of support saying you think I should be an F1 and just kind of like, uh, you know, buttonholing people in the in the in uh, the paddock to be like sign up for my newsletter effectively, uh, <laughs> like s- sign up to support Andretti F one, and so there's been a real like just raising the hackles of folks on the grid, uh, at, like just in terms of how like the Andretti effort has conducted itself. So what does all this mean? Well. <laughs> So the thing is, uh, the group with sort of the the final say over this uh, isn't necessarily the existing F1 teams, but it's also not the FIA. Uh, the FIA doesn't just get to say, we think this is a good thing for the sport and Andretti should be allowed in. Uh, ultimately, this is going to go to uh, like FOM. Uh, F1 F1 management, which is run by Stefano, uh, Stefano Domenicali. And that is a body that does have some responsibilities to the overall like health of the sport. Uh, the, you know, the, the thing, the thing they have to watch out for in, a, in a lot of ways is would, if you add an 11th team and it, messes up the money just enough because remember the prize pool would be like, this is the other part of the dilution fee. The prize pool gets divided as well. Um, And we look at that way, like the anti-dilution fee does start looking really paltry because it doesn't like advertising. And I'm sure there's lots of like sort of shared income that, you know, gets somewhat diluted, especially with them. Like, cause it it seemed like Haas or Sauber, you know what I mean? Comes in, there's something to it, but a team comes in with like the Andretti and Cadillac name behind it as well. You know what I mean? They're going to be throwing a bit more gravity around than, uh, than some of the other ones. Right. Like, so it's, it's not, it's not a sure thing that, uh, this, the thing, this thing's going to go through, uh, because yeah, if, if basically the Andretti effort would be seen as like potentially cannibalizing, uh, 
you know the the existing grid then there's going to be a lot of a lot of hesitation uh over that at the same time you know it's notable the thing that's not on the table of course is that liberty media takes less money right like that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the the frustrating thing about this is if you're sort of sitting here from the fans perspective of i you know grizz used to be huge they used to race tons of cars at some f1 races uh, if you're sitting here being like, I would like to see that again, because it sounds cool and it, it, it frankly is cool. Uh, you know, the thing that one of the real hurdles here is that, well, the enth- entire thing is kind of engineered to support 10 teams and divide the the media rights money as prize money uh, across that grid. And, you know, in a, probably a healthier sport and a less cartel like sport, when someone new comes on, uh, you know, what is served up to the teams just increases in size, right? That the, the, the pie kind of grows larger to accommodate uh, more competition, but that's not how it works. Uh, the, 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 the media organization gets its cut. And then what is left over, of course, goes to the teams. And that is mm. why there's this like um, real, like desperate fight over what that, the shape of that pie. Well, certainly a story to watch, uh, one thing we won't be watching, Danny. <laughs> nice. Yes, the Chinese Grand Prix. We will not be watching it again this year. Uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, if you've been keeping up to date on this whole pandemic business, uh, China obviously going through a hell of a time at the moment. Uh, they are obviously a bit more conservative on the having foreigners fly in for races thing. Uh consistently over the past couple of years so it is perhaps to no one's surprise that the Chinese Grand Prix which is happening pretty much in the first like third first quarter of the the F1 season uh, has been postponed uh, there was some work to perhaps get a replacement to shuffle the deck around there was word that Baku might be brought back apparently there was big pushback from the Azerbaijani organizers because Baku is fairly chilly and windy that time of year which honestly sounds great to me (laughs) as a viewer of a race but they didn't really fancy doing that there was a very vague whisper of Portimao which again absolutely would have loved loved that race when it came in uh, as a clutch replacement during uh, the pandemic season Um, but uh, that apparently was nixed uh, uh, pretty quickly so uh, F1 have decided to not replace that which means the 24 event calendar we were meant to have in 2023 has been reduced to a slightly milder 23 race calendar um we will however be getting more sprint races um some that were at uh, uh, locations and circuits that we had in the past and a couple of newbies too uh, and also some some little um some of them some double headers too so the sprint race if you don't know if you're new to f1 is a basically a new qualifying format where instead of having qualifying on a saturday and uh, they do qualifying on a friday for a sprint race on the saturday which is a sort of shorter race um the final uh, places of the uh, grid at the end of that little sprint race on Saturday, uh, then dictating what the grid order is on the Sunday. And they have proved, I would say, I'd I'd say people have been leaning towards them being positive because there's just more racing happening, but Mm. they are generally some, you know, there's not much. You have more to lose than to gain, perhaps, if you're at the front and maybe it's the inverse at the back. Um, So they've been... 
you know, mixed, maybe, <laughs> a mixed bag so far. Um, we will be getting six next year, six of these sprint uh, weekends. Uh, the first will be in Baku, uh, followed by the Red Bull Ring, which did it last year as well. Um, Spa Francochamp gets the third of the year. Spa has also been moved, you may have noticed, from the first week back after the break to the final week before the break, which um, is cool because I love Spa, but also I really liked coming back to Spa. So, um, you know, whatever. That's the way it goes. Uh, La Salle in Qatar is going to do the next one. Kota is having one, and then so is Interlagos. La Salle and Kota are also back-to-back, so we'll have two sprint weekends uh, in a row, although I think there is a gap, week gap between them, but they're the the two two events are back to back so we'll be sprinted out by then and uh, Interlagos of course being near the end of the season that that I think provides an interesting one because the Brazilian Grand Prix with that late uh, moment in the season uh, you know talk about risk aversion anything can go wrong like if you qualify bad on Saturday I feel like it's not that big a deal if you are fighting for the championship and you crash out in a sprint race, you're in trouble. That's going to put you in a nasty spot for the main race. So, um, yeah, interesting to see it. We'll have to see how it all shakes out this year. I feel like this is kind of the this the the make it or break it year for sprint races. This is our I want to is that our it's definitely our third. Is it fourth, third? Feels like fourth? this is the third year. Third year. Um, yeah. And they've increased them every time. That makes sense. Uh, they had three last year and three the year before. Was it really? Yeah. Okay, so they're just going for it, hell for leather now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely up? commercial reasons. The tracks like it because it means there's a race on a Saturday and a race on a Sunday. And there's qualifying on a Friday, which also gets more bums on seats then. I think they wanted to do even more, F1 did, and the teams were yeah. like, you're going to have to pay us more money because we <laughs> crash and stuff in these things. So, yeah. yeah. Did you guys see that they released the the time schedule for the Las Vegas Grand Prix? No. Qualifying is at midnight local time. Local time. Oh my god. Yeah. Imagine spending that five thousand dollars for your ticket. Five grand for your ticket, and then you have to wait wait until midnight. Yeah. The race is at ten p. Starts at ten p.m. Ten p.m. I didn't know what kind of what, what you paid for though. Wait. Like, what, wait, what, wait. What, can I? What, what time is it again? October. No. It is November 18th. November. I have camped in Arizona in November. It is not a pleasant time when the sun goes down. It gets cold. Yeah, so it's, I, yeah it's the desert. Yes. So I, I, like the, the, the heat disappears like, like you open the doors on a, on, a, on a car driving down the motorway. It is like it's just the minute the sun goes, it is gone. So that doesn't sound midnight. In the freezing Vegas, <laughs> for, if the tickets didn't cost as much as they did, I wouldn't be complaining as much. But hey, I'll be happy watching it on television. Uh, well, that's not the only thing people are complaining about, Rob. Yeah, so uh, we already mentioned that um, Ben Slam was sort of on record saying, like, I think the Andretti offer is cool. There was an offer he didn't <laughs> think was cool, which was... And this so- is, this is he's the head of the FIA. FIA, yes. yeah. Uh, so there was, uh, I, I don't know how real this was, but, uh, there, there was, there were stories that the Saudi public investment fund, the effectively sovereign wealth fund, uh, for, for the state was looking at buying F1, like buying F1 effectively, 
uh, the media rights for F1. The sport. For $20 billion. Okay. And remember, uh, those rights run for like the next century. <laughs> like it was a 113 year uh, like licensing deal. We've done like <laughs> we've done like okay. 15 years of it, so it's okay. like 88 years left or something, some, something absurd like that. It is, uh, it is a long time before like F1 <laughs> rights like have to be like fully renegotiated. So, uh, like yeah, so the the Saudi uh, investment fund, which you know is effectively the state of the 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 kingdom of Saudi Arabia, i.e., also that royal family, uh, was. Apparently, like maybe like FEMA buying F one for twenty billion, and uh, Soyam went on record saying that he thought it was an it was it, one it, that it was sort of an inflated valuation, and two, uh, you know, he was concerned that the knock on effects of that inflated valuation would impact fans, which is a fair concern. Like as we see with a ton of acquisitions. Uh, a, a lot of times that whoever has overpaid for a thing quickly needs to begin extracting money from the thing uh, right. and will frequently list the purchasing cost of the company as like a debt obligation of happens a lot in, in sports happen with the Glazers with Manchester United as you know, it's, it's a common thing with these big, you know, you know, they, they just bought Newcastle as well. I believe it was as well. The Saudi, that fund as well. Um, but yeah, that, that that leveraging the 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 uh, the what did you have purchased against the debt to basically create this like and then while also sucking revenue out of it is yeah. like yes a, a, an issue with this type of deal. Well, F one uh, sent a threatening letter to uh, to the FIA over this, uh, ba- like basically saying that this is an F one commercial rights issue. And mm. the way the FIA interacts, like the FIA is a sporting regulatory body, but their deal with like FOM and like Liberty is, is such is they don't weigh in on commercial issues. Uh, so like Slam's so, so job is to like shut up and don't <laughs> talk about this. And, you know, like. They're like sort of the, the, the saber rattling in this letter was that, you know, if this, the, if this offer was real, if he's like trying to chill uh, interested investors and in saying that like $20 billion is is an overvaluation for the sport, uh, he's he's messing up our money uh, because <laughs> we, <laughs> we think it's worth $20 billion. Well, it's worth whatever people want to pay for it. Uh, and, and so uh, like it, it was kind of a shot across the bows for him to watch what he says and and stay out of F1 commercial matters, which is ironic, really, because uh, F- the FIA over this offseason uh, banned political speech. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, in, in so many words, um, article 12.2.1 point n like it's oh, i guess that's it's an addendum or something states that drivers will be deemed to have committed a breach if they show quote the general making and display of political religious and personal statements or comments notably in violation of the general principle of neutrality 
promoted by the FIA under its statutes, unless previously approved in writing by the FIA for international competitions or by the relevant ASN for national competitions within their jurisdiction. Basically, uh, get permission before you shoot your mouth off. Uh, if you are seen, for instance, wearing a Brianna Taylor uh, shirt, if you are seen wearing a rainbow mask, mm. uh, you know, in, in a country with like you're talking laws. about bees too much. We've been talking about <laughs> you. You mentioned bees too much, Seb. There's a shut there's, up a, about there's the bees. A, a large amount of like Lewis and Seb shut up, and whoever is thinking about being the next yeah. Seb, like like don't even think about it. Well, that exactly. Well, Lewis is isolated now. You know, Seb Seb's gone. Yeah, got his back. So now Schumacher. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So yeah, this stinks, man. This uh, is just like we race as one. Oh, is all that stuff going to be stripped out now as well? Will we so none, none of that anymore? Well, so I mean, this is it's it's interesting. Um, and we talked about the the mini Mercedes thing. So you had Wolf basically recently being like, "Let's see how this plays out." You know, like it sounds bad, but. A lot of times, like stuff is written down, but like it's you can totally hash it out among yourselves. Like basically, it was a uh, we're cool, you're cool, etc. We'll mm. be able to handle it. And I do think probably he's his assumption is they're not actually going to pick a big fight with Lewis Hamilton. Like, like, the, like, but you know, it's not necessarily Hamilton's speech that needs to be protected like the most because he's Lewis Hamilton at this point. But like, they don't want another. That's the thing, and I, that's what it reads sounds like to me is that Lewis eventually is going to retire, and they are trying to install a culture of shut your mouth um, for the next generation. Uh, well, and James and James Vowles uh, actually gave a much more critical statement of that, which is like I don't think the FIA like should be like regulating this kind of speech. Uh, yeah. Like drivers should be free to give their opinions on. Uh, issues they 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 care deeply about. Um, I'm not sure he went. <laughs> I'm not sure he went so far as to say let's see them try to enforce it. But there was an implication of like, you know, it's it's not even clear. Like this this feels like an overstep uh, by the FIA. And the the problem a necessary is, one as well. Maybe. Well, so but maybe it is necessary from their standpoint because like you just mentioned Baku a minute ago. Right. Uh, Azerbaijan has waged like multiple wars with Armenia uh, in mm. its history and currently apparently has like cut off a critical highway to like an Armenian or autonomous region uh, like in like within within Azerbaijan's borders. And apparently it has the potential for causing like mass starvation and such. So add that to the list of countries that is right. going to be possibly a place where uh, you're going to be racing under the flag and uh, hosted effectively by the government of a place that is currently, uh, you know, an international bad actor uh, in a lot yeah. of ways, or at least causing a lot of like human suffering. Sports washing, as it's kind of been. Is there any term doubt in your mind? If everything was the same in Ukraine as it is right now, mm. but sanctions hadn't been levied worldwide by like, the Europe and the oh, United, right, yeah, and the United yeah. States, that they would have raced there. Yeah, like yeah, in Russia, you mean? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. like I, they they would have done it, and so I do think the FIA um, is kind of looking at this as effectively like we are owned by by uh, authoritarian uh, states and petro states, 
And so I, I do think like, you know, you, you can see this as it reflects the growing irritation with a lot of the countries that are like, damn it, we're paying good money for the sports washing. And then we have to see your sports yeah. biggest stars basically like hanging a lampshade around the issues we most badly want to not talk about. And so like, I don't know where this goes, but I do think Hamilton was in a special place. Vettel was also in a special privileged place, but yeah, it is harder to imagine. Like there are so few drivers who are totally secure in F1. And I think you have to be feeling pretty secure about your place in it. Uh, to look at a ruling, a rule like this, and, and say like, I don't give a shit and say what I want. Mm. Yeah, I mean, even before Hamilton, you know, just Bahrain comes to mind, twenty eleven, which got cancelled because obviously there was this is this is I believe sort of Arab Spring time, right, where we the had uprising. yeah, that was when the Saudi yeah tanks were rolled across that bridge and everything. Um, that was banned because of teams pushing back, and that was in the Eccleston era. So, but again, that's sort of the you know, exception to prove the rule, perhaps something big enough that happens. It's obvious. There's like civil well, unrest and, and people being Saudi Arabia in the was dangling by thread because uh, of the rocket attack, um, yeah, yeah, which yeah. reminded people that Saudi Arabia is uh, like waging effectively unrestricted war in Yemen. Uh, uh, Jeddah as well. Have you seen confirmed until 2027? Because yeah. that new track is not going to be built on time. So we're stuck in that. Terrible, dangerous track. Oh, great. Although they they are changing a lot of it this year. There's like twenty different corners have been changed. It's ridiculous. They've they're nipping and tucking the thing all over the place. But yes, I want to race stuck. under an aquarium, Danny. I know, I do. That's the thing. I want to race something. I don't care about civil rights as long as I can race under an aquarium. Oh wait, and yeah. So when, when are we going back so to Qatar? Sorry. Uh, Qatar is October eighth. Yeah, so like, if you look at the F one, we'll if you look at the F one grid, like there is a lot of places where they do not want F one drivers yeah. like exercising free speech. Oh yeah, I mean, this is this is a complete business move. It's yep. like, oh, uh, all totally. all these countries who are like mm, a little on the line here uh, are saying like, hey, we don't want that happening, and so if, if the FIA is like, oh, oh sorry. Uh, we'll we'll put some language in there. Whether they actually say, right. you know, hey, uh, you mm. you can't race, you know, you have to sit out a race, remains to be seen. I it would be cool if they were like, uh, hey, you know what, uh, you know, minor slap on the wrist, so they can go to these countries and say like, look, we disciplined him. Or or what's cooler probably is that like honestly, in terms of like actual like protest and protest that makes any bit of difference, like this is probably good because it puts everyone in a really awkward position if like somebody like Lewis Hamilton stands up and wears a shirt that pisses people off and then they want to reprimand him and then the team's like no and then, you know what I mean then it causes the yeah. friction which is like the whole point of it um but like and I but the other part of this too is you know it's going to be the grid is getting a bit younger and that's what I worry about yeah and yeah. and like <sighs> Some of this has been Seb got older and got in like really emotionally invested in a lot of a lot of issues and we began thinking about his place in the world and like legacy. Uh, Hamilton started emphasizing that more and more uh, as as part of his public profile. But like, let's face it, a lot of these guys have been like you know 
eat, drink, and sleep racing from the time they're like tweens. Yeah, uh, all the way in yeah. F one, and many so, of them out of silver spoons. Yeah, not all of them, but yeah, a lot but of them. You're, you're just not dealing with a group of people that are predisposed uh, to be like, you know, what do I think who, of yeah. who of who of the grid? Do you think that's left gives the fewest Fs? Uh, sh- uh, well, Sh- what do you mean Charlotte about Claire. the world or about pissing people off? Maybe no. Uh, about about uh, stopping. Yeah. About issues, stuff. about issues that about them uh, issues? capital I issues for stopping. Yeah, Max doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like, Matt, like Max gleefully doesn't like, like he he only cares about posters. No, he sorry. wants, he wants mean, Twitter like, to bomb everyone. <laughs> who else is like uh, who doesn't care about what happens to them? Like Hamilton. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think because well, like Daniel Ricardo is also completely. I think Alonso, but he's probably not very. Politically active. Yeah, you're right. No, Alonso, he doesn't care, but he also doesn't active. care. Alonso's very politically active oh. F1 politics. Uh, yes. Beyond yeah, that, yeah. like yes. the man is like the Kissinger of the paddock. Uh but like beyond that, yeah, I don't think I don't yeah. think he cares. Like how he uses his power is to like cut deals. Yeah, I mean like a lot of actually Ricardo's a great example. He doesn't uh, care. He's yeah. not a he's not necessarily a bad dude, but he, when he's been asked about these questions, it is so clear that like he's kind of never thought about these things before. Yeah. yeah. And it's a bit like when somebody asked Biden, like, how many genders are there? And he was like, I know there's more than two. <laughs> and like that's kind of the best you're gonna get out of Danny Rick. Yeah. Uh yeah. like, but and I, I don't think necessarily he's that much of an outlier. Uh, on on the grid in terms of like who's going to really who's going to really pipe up, um, I wouldn't be surprised if K Mag yeah, I could see having a. <laughs> I was thinking like whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, um, the, Albon. The th- Albon. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The thing I want to know is when are we going to see them cars them and cars. Tell us Red true. Bull so far has uh the closest the nearest answer to us it is the third of february is when they will be doing <sighs> their car launch media blitz so they unveiled the date of their unveil they have yes I love it uh you know these cars aren't going to look a whole lot different from last year's cars right. to the to the layman to, to us um not like they not like the previous year to the to to last year mm. uh but it's fun seeing the liveries, seeing if, you know, anyone goes bold with colors or whatever. Uh, but Red Bull is going to be kicking things off. Unless Haas scoops them, they are yet to be confirmed. Which I think they could totally do. You know, get in here on February 2nd. Oral Collie's you know. back. <laughs> oh, God. No, they have uh, their MoneyGram now. MoneyGram. Ooh, how much? Everyone oh, this will be fun. We did this last year. And we, we, we uh, there's going to be, let's see if there's more or less crypto this year. Oh, it's gotta be less. There's gotta be less. Like, I mean, (laughs) well, the problem is. Oh, hey, hey, you know what's gonna happen? Less crypto, more AI. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's that's actually a really good poll because yes, you're gonna see a lot of bullshit startups around that. Uh, But the crypto (laughs) thing, like the reason you're gonna see crypto is not you're you're not gonna see crypto is not that um, F1 teams have seen the light and it's like oh, it's all Ponzi scheme. No. 
No, no, just the companies can't pay for the sponsorships anymore. <laughs> it's gonna, it's like, yeah. what's so funny is Rich Energy was just ahead of the curve, right? Like, F1 is oh, we <laughs> right. don't want to be yeah, like everyone's those guys. always said that about William's story. Yeah, <laughs> he's so ahead of the curve. Such a everyone's such a saying this. Thinker. Uh, Williams is uh, February 6th, uh, Alfa Romeo, February 7th, Alfa Tauri, February 11th. Uh, on the 13th is Aston Martin and McLaren, same day. Ooh. Ferrari, happy Valentine's Day. It's a Ferrari. Appropriate, red. Indeed. Unless they uh, change the color. <laughs> <laughs> Mercedes is the 15th. Alpine is the 16th. So from the 3rd to the 16th, and Haas is going to be in there somewhere. Or, you know, tomorrow. And Stone Cold music crashes, and out comes Mario Andretti with a, <laughs> <laughs> with a red, white, and blue, a red, white, and blue stars and stripes. Cadillac, yeah, yeah. Oh man! <laughs> uh, and speaking of dates, we got one for Drive to Survive season five. Woo! Fast five. Here we go. February twenty fourth, and guess who's back? Vindy's Max Verstappen. <laughs> He's there. He's on the chair. He's he's yes. he's had a year off. He's had enough. Hey, it's, it was his prerogative. He wasn't wrong. They definitely like, you know, made up Manufactured some stories. nonsense. <laughs> he's not. He's not <laughs> wrong. Um, I'm glad to see him back. You know, I think it would be it was it'd be a shame not to have him on on this one. I am mostly dying to know which Lando Norris we get. Like, do yeah, do nice. do they decide like let's go back to making him the sweet like baby face of F one like what a what a rising star or are we going to see like the evil like haunted doll that we saw? Here's the, here's the problem. He's up against their their sort of uh, their their baby face they've had for years in Danny Rick. Where like this is the year Danny lost his. It didn't come. You know, for him, and he lost it, and they've followed him for years and years. There's always been one it's Danny true. Rick episode, so Lando's gonna have to be the, you know, the heel. I think on this one, mm, I would not be surprised. I, I would not be surprised if you are like. So they're gonna have their last year with with Danny Rick. They'll probably do one one episode with like Danny Rick is at a crossroads, and more of him looking mm. sad about like what's what's next, and then big happy like yay Red Bull, the family's back together. As our reserve driver, you've blown up your career. You have nothing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be. It, like I I am curious now who is going to fill that role of like the charismatic. Uh, like lad, that mm. that drive to survive is all in on. Well, and and I feel like Lando was less that way anyway. Like he's he he is a bit more self serious, and you know he's pushed back from that sort of uh, trope of his maybe a little bit. The meme but, lord. What'd you say? The meme lord. Yeah, yeah. You know he wants to be taken seriously as a driver, and I think that's fair to say that like him being so approachable is probably demystifies a bit of him and you know he drove really well last year and completely outpaced a seasoned teammate so i don't blame him for that either you know everyone's gotta everyone's gotta evolve uh it should be interesting though i wonder if we'll get like a vettel episode next year as well this year sorry well that is all the news that was fit for this podcast to broadcast mm. uh you can follow us on twitter at Shift of One Podcast. And I'm going to say right now, on Mastodon. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you have a Friendster page? Yeah. I uh, I don't. <laughs> I haven't yet signed up for Mastodon, but look for that, I guess. 
in my t- in, the, in the Twitter bio, but not the direct. It was link, it was great. We're talking before the show. Like, where do we go on Mastodon? Which uh, God, I didn't have a clue what was going on. Which part of the Fediverse are we going to land on? Is this and, where you buy drugs? Is this the new Gumroad? <laughs> no, see, this drugs. is Stop so Mastodon. So yeah, so Dan, Danny thinks we're taking Shift F one on the dark web. Um, meanwhile, like I was offering my advice, but like, uh, you know, I'm just on some guy's Mastodon instance, who knows uh, how, how secure that's going to be. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's a magical time, uh, in social media. Yes. Um, you can also hit us up, uh, individually on Twitter. I'm at Drew Scanlon, but again, Checking out this Mastodon thing. Oh yeah, you over there. It's just it's me and I'm just watching Dave Snyder post <laughs> stuff about. Is Dave like F1. He likes a lot of te- technical Linux. things. He yeah, works for doesn't he work for iRacing now? He did. Okay. I think he's now at another startup, but maybe doing both. I'm not sure. Always ask him. We should yeah. we should toot at him. Toot is that what they say on Mastodon? It sure is. Isn't that like a toot I associate with farting? I don't know. Yes. That's what we say. Yes, okay. Toot. Yeah. Anyway, toot, toot. Uh, I'm Andrew Scanless at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. Uh, it's us around the internet. Should we <sighs> take it around the world of racing, Danny? Let's race around the world. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. For the first time this year, we've got two, count them, two races this weekend. <sighs> Speaking of Saudi Arabia, Formula E is in Diria. For mm. the Diria E Pre. Uh, and we've also, speaking of Cadillacs and sports car racing, we got the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Rolex 24 at Daytona. Daytona. Starting on Saturday, January 28th. So you got a week to figure out how the Daytona prototype class and Le Mans prototype, the homologation that happened, and then how does oh the, like, the new hypercar thing and WEC or WEC, however you pronounce that, like, where does that fit into this whole picture? Like, every single, every single time sports car, sports car racing season starts, it's a new opportunity to figure out what the hell are you actually watching race out there on the track and how many series are involved in it at once? <laughs> wow. Uh, I think we have a Patreon episode about endurance racing. It's horribly out of date. Uh, we may, <laughs> and we might have a patron uh, exclusive podcast about the uh, latest series of Michael Fassbender's. Um, uh, I guess that's not. Endurance. I'm glad we needed more is, of yeah, it is endurance. Yeah, it is endurance. Yeah, um, his his twenty four hour of Le Mans, not lemons, um, um, series. This you one you actually, actually said because I knew a little bit about how it all went. I was like, I don't know, I don't know if there's gonna be, I don't know if it's gonna be a good time. And you were like, that documentary good. team has like found a new register. Yeah, it's really good. It's like I I really liked how there's a lot less filler in this one. It's like, and it and it and like I was like constantly like feeling bad and nervous and like excited (laughs) and oh man it was like that's the fastbender journey right it's like it's so good oh maybe this time it'll go okay yeah it's like he gets over one hurdle and then his he just hits he trips and his face hits the next one it's just you know and he's irish so i'm like you know i'm like pulling for him you know but it's yeah i don't know it's tricky 
All right, I have just registered for Shift F1 podcast at mastodon.art. Dot arse. Yes. Love we, it. This is an artistic venture. <laughs> uh, it's pending approval. Apparently, I'm on a wait list. So wow. We'll see. Hope it's not taken. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, Drew, can I do uh, my new bit? Yes. Uh, speaking of calendars, Danny. Calend- yes, thank you for that beautiful segue. New bit. We should have, I should have the classical music playing or something here. New bit. Uh, my wonderful wife got me this book, Formula One on This Day, and I have been gorging it. It has factoids for what happened on this day at some stage in F1 history. And we're going to read out one of these at the end of each episode from now on. Uh, they're short and sweet and often uh, very, very, very interesting. I recommend this book. It was written by Rob Burnett, but I will be giving away it. Uh, for free in very short amounts over the next season and perhaps well more. and only one seventh of the book that's uh is that you did the math i trust you i don't trust rob but i trust There's seven days in a week seven days in a week oh, that's true yeah yeah and almost yeah we do a podcast every week uh, so this one the entry for today wednesday january 25th nikki lauda was the reigning world champion when the drivers lined up for the first race of the 1976 season in brazil on this day the race was the first to be started by a system of lights rather than the traditional flag but it didn't stop lauda taking the victory it was the start of a great one which saw him take four wins from the first six races he looked odds on to retain his championship until his horrific crash at the Nürburgring in August where he very nearly died years later Lauda would become team principal of the Jaguar F1 team which was launched on this day in the year 2000 it was a rebranding of the Stewart team founded and run by Sir Jackie Stewart which Ford had bought the new British racing green car was unveiled by drivers Eddie Irvine and Johnny Herbert, but Sir Jackie announced he would be stepping down as team boss at the launch ceremony. On this day, January 25th. Great. There you go. When, when was that? When was the, the Lauda light thing? Oh, you just put the book down. Close the book. It was uh, da, 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 da. 76, was it? Yep. Not amazing. First time. Yeah, 76. Because that was the start <sighs> of that season in Rush. It was. Yeah, and that was one of the interesting things I found was that there was previous years in the 50s where like the 1st of January there was races going on because they used to have a different calendar. And also just the idea of Brazil being the first race of the season is such a a novel thing when you think about it now. And the fact that you could win six races and be odds on to win the championship because there was only like 12 races right? um, says a lot as well. Um, Yeah, so nice little peeks into our history. Um, We'll have those every week. Unless people email in and say, stop it, and then we'll stop. (laughs) Cool. Well, uh, as we mentioned, in exactly one month, we will be back with our preseason primer episode, um, which will get everyone new to F1 caught up on uh, the sport, but also, you know, just a good refresher for where we all stand. What, you know, we'll talk about new regulations, all the new drivers, all that stuff. So uh, join us for that. If you're uh, a patron, then you can expect uh, some more um, patron-exclusive podcasts. Mm. Uh, And if you are not, if you'd like to support the show, you can get access to all that bonus stuff uh, and the official Shift at One Discord. So if you would like all of that, you can sign up over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next time. Meow.